You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. Okay. All right. So enough of that. Let's get let's, <laughs> we're so we're so ready to talk for the next three hours. No, um, about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Somehow we're not. I don't know how many. I just had to stop writing uh, honorable mentions. My, my raw like playlist that I'm like that I, I use just to listen to stuff. To, mm-hmm. to formulate my opinions is 77 songs. I didn't even get done. But some I'm of those probably somewhere around there. There were some that I just couldn't find on streaming mm-hmm. services, actually. One song in particular I could not find on streaming services. It was another version. The original version is like a slow song. Mm. And then there's a remix on that same album. Oh, sure. That is like up tempo, mm-hmm. but it's not the video version, which is only found on YouTube. Oh, interesting. Yes. So I did not set that up to pl- be played, but I'll I'll talk about it when we go through our honorable mentions. Yeah. Because I, I imagine we're not playing all... We're not playing all I'm 77 sure songs, two of us. no. Yeah, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no. And I'm still just... in real time. Like, my list my list is... There's a couple of records where I'm moving, I'm moving things in and out. Oh, yeah. I mean, depending... I want to say how this conversation goes because... Yeah, I, like some. I think there are some. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there might be a couple. I think there are some major themes that we're both going to be uh, like definitely on the same page for. <sighs> Jesus, but yes, but there are. Once we get like past, I don't know, like nine or ten, I'm just like, mm-hmm. uh huh, good, uh, good Ooh. luck, good luck, because then I have I have a category of near misses that is sixteen songs right now. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> And I'm just I'm like, you. I'm like, ah, I could be talked into it. So we, we got some things to talk about. So, I mean, should we, uh, do we intro to the show? Or are we, are we going? Man, let's just go, man. Y'all know, y'all know who it is, man. Y'all know who this is. That's a very Jermaine Dupri 1997 ad lib. That was the point. We're going to be talking about JD, at least, at least on my list. Mm. He's going to get a mention. Um, unless I move that song. <laughs> There's another but, record uh, that he might, well, we'll see. Okay. Okay. I might've missed one. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, welcome to Clock Radio Speakers. I'm your host Armand Wake Up. You can follow me on all social media at Armand Wake Up. A R M O N D Wake Up. All one word. More important than that, please, please, please. Um, you know, I'm just gonna switch. Like, listen, join the Patreon. Yeah, join the Patreon. Like, Twitter is cool. Facebook is cool. All that other stuff. And join the Patreon. The community is moving. That's what I meant to talk about on the pre-show. Was about the. I wanted to have the Discord conversation openly. Mm. But it can wait. We'll do it another time. It's okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the Patreon is is patroning. So I highly suggest you go to patreon.com slash CRS podcast and, and get with the movement. You know what I'm saying? So Doc is here, of course, because I'm I'm never doing another CRS by myself ever again. So <laughs> Doc, what's up, man? Oh man, I did I think I only did one by myself when you were uh taking time off for your for your baby. It was definitely probably the worst one I've ever done. <laughs> It was, it was, it was basically just me rambling. It was not, it was not good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm helping, um, uh, helping a friend out. He's developing a podcast for a client mm-hmm. and, and I'm kind of like, he's being consulting and then I'm consulting him. Like it's crazy. Consult, consult, you're consulting. Yeah, consultant. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the person kind of came into it thinking that like, you know, she was just going to come in and. You know, oh, I can do a podcast. You know, you see it, you look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can talk. And her first episode was, you know, by herself. Sure. Um, And then she's going to have guests later on. 
And like that first session, when we reviewed like the raw footage, like you could kind of see her face like slowly realize like, oh, this takes a lot of work. Like this isn't easy. Um, you know, the people just either between editing and technology or even just people like you and I, we don't really edit much anymore. Um, we just know we're, we just, it's a feel, right? Yeah. We, first of all, we go for a bit more of a casual feel with our podcast anyway. Like it's not the kind of like highly edited where it's like, we've got like a music bed (sighs) underneath and I, hate those I know, so much. I know. And that's what a lot of people are doing, you know, because they're like, oh, yeah. that sounds professional, they think. So they're like, OK, I got to. So yeah, I, I know. I know. But it's like um, that that's kind of what some people go for. I think that's part of it. The other thing is, like you said, we've just done this so many times that we, we kind of know what we're doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Big facts. <laughs> My kids are here, so I'm speaking in all the all the the jive, all the slang. Yeah. All, all the ge- um, all the Gen Z talk, yeah, man. All the all the youths are, you are about, with it. You about to get your TikTok numbers up? Listen, man. <laughs> I randomly just post stuff on TikTok. I still haven't made my TikTok public, but man, <laughs> I posted. I posted our uh, our Kendrick Lamar. You know what is a stream, whatever, yeah, yeah, whatever, because yeah, yeah. that's been getting decent numbers across the board, right? And we've reached the age where like. People think that they have to explain themselves. Like when you ask, when I asked the question, like, what was the math they came up with to come up with a stream? There are people leaving comments like 1500 streams means one album sale. (laughs) You know, I know this, right? Like, that's not the point. So whatever, whatever. I I get it. I understand it in theory, but no, get off, get off my page. (laughs) That I'm going to get off my lawn for that I am. Um. But no, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk 1997, man. I'm ready to be 13 again. Let's go. Yeah. So uh, this year, this year, this week, we're we're bringing back the definitive 15 series. We're talking about 1997. You said you were 13. I was 14. Those are very like that age group. First of all, that's that's so important growing up. Like absolutely, you finally getting past being just a little kid, but you're also like trying to like act a little older and so you're like paying attention to what the older kids are listening to when that's filtering down and you're right, old enough right. where you know because we have you know our culture is uh you know lots of sex even especially in the 90s too but like you know lots of sexual innuendos stuff like that especially where when you're, in 1997 yes. when you were a kid maybe didn't notice quite so much or mm-hmm. like it went over your head but now you're actually like understanding what media is throwing at you you know that's right and uh and you know, somewhat, yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, sure. You know, R and B songs about love. You know, you don't really know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. You really think that they're that as yet was singing about nature right. on last night? <laughs> oh man. But um, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So like that absolutely. age group, is, and and so you know, it's kind of a trope, but it's like it, sometimes it really does feel. It's like yeah, what I liked when I was 13 years old. Everybody thinks that's like the best time for music, right? Or it's one of the best times. But I I do like, I want to acknowledge that bias, but I also want to say, and I I think I'm assuming you might agree that 1997 was was like, there was a lot going on. There was an insane amount going on. It's a transitional year in music. Mm. Mm. You know, I realized that like, you have to think about in 96, Tupac dies 
And then at the top of the year, Biggie passes. Yeah. And Big passes just as the album that sort of introduces the sound that changes modern music for that time, you know, which is Life After Death. Um, like that just hits like a bomb. And I think his death just like reverberates and makes it even an even deeper bomb. And what Puff ends up following up with because um, there's so much attention and focus on him. And on top of that, the music is great too, right? Um, but yeah, transitional, like crazy, you know? Like I hear, like one of the songs that's on my list tentatively, it like introduces, it's an early introduction to a sound. Mm. And I think it's important, not because it's like the, the biggest song of this artist's career, but it's the introduction of a sound, a movement, a subgenre, that produces so many important moments in music. Yeah. It ha- it has to at least be talked about. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna get talked off the list. It might, but No, I think I know what song you might be referring to because I think that artist in particular has to be represented in some way. Maybe, at least if an honorable mention of nothing else. But there's also um like stylistic, you know, it's part of what's interesting is like the lead time that used to exist for making music and then getting like re- music, you know, al- reading album reviews, which, you know, have to be like timed for like when the album comes out, but due to lead times, like that was written based off maybe a pre-release version of the album or whatever that came out. And that was actually written like two and a half months ago. Like mm-hmm. things just took a little longer. So if you're an artist and you're making your album for 97, you're starting probably in 96. Absolutely. And 96 like and so i'm gonna I, i'm gonna be new york focused for a second I talk about new york because um with at really like and you can speak on this more than i can but like the death of tupac and the collapse of death row records death row obviously isn't everything for the west coast but it did dominate the commercial side of the west coast sound like not a whole lot comes out of the west coast that's like re- resonating at a at a at a main level in 97 with some exceptions right yeah so the thing and and i'm glad you said that i'm really glad you said that because i went through and there was so there was so much west coast music um yeah let's talk about this now so there was so much west coast music that was being released and i I wrote down a lot of names of of people who put out music that year so you got you know mac 10 came out with something alcoholics uh the loonies like a lot of these artists that were Popping because remember, I know you remember this, but back then for artists, it was every other year. So yeah. these are artists who work out 95, 97 is the time for them to come back out. But so Tupac's death and the collapse of Death Row bring a lot of attention to the West Coast because yeah. now it's people like we gotta put our flag in the in the sand. We have this attention, we have to carry the legacy. And unfortunately, people didn't know what to do musically. You know, right. like the Bay Area had a sound and their sound didn't change. And if anything, they kind of benefited because they had the independent hustle where they weren't necessarily they weren't being told to make death row style music. But then you've got other people who are maybe connected to the death row ecosystem by way of N.W.A. So a Mac 10, for an example, who's connected by Ice Cube, who's connected to Dr. Dre, obviously. Um, or, or, even Warren G, or even Warren G. Right. Absolutely. Warren G. Yes. His that was his second album. Right. Take a look over your shoulder. Yeah. I mean, and his Um, lead single is I Shot the Sheriff. Yep. Which. Yep. You know, does did not really sound 
how you would expect what, a, a a Warren G album to sound, you know? No, no, not at all. Um, and so they just kind of didn't, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to you do. know, there was, there's a lot of disarray with that. And so there's a lot of West Coast music. And I'm glad you said that because I felt bad. I wanted to, some of the picks that I made were because I knew that your list was going to be East Coast heavy and just I wanted to like bit. represent <laughs> But like, there's not a big, there's, no, that's not even a West Coast song. Um, there's a song with a, there's a couple songs with West Coast artists in it that are on my honorable mentions, but like, they're not West Coast songs, mm. if that makes sense. And I, I'll get there when I get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, that's, that's, the, that's the West Coast for sure. Now, New York, you know, is you, in a very interesting state because coming off in 96, the sound is still very much like grimy, gritty, mob deep, red man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, and so when, go ahead. No, sorry. My, my, uh, my smoke detectors are all just because I have nest smoke detectors. There it goes. They just decided to all do a test, which is great and distracted me. Anyway. Um, yeah. Like the, you talked about 97 as a transition year, which I think is 100% right. And it was something I was thinking about because then that lead time matters, right? Because like even the sound, but also like you can just look at the video aesthetic, right? Like mm. 95 and 96, it's kind of grimy. But even when artists are making quote unquote commercial records, the style is very much you might call it like it's a lot of Tommy Hilfiger, like you're wearing some feelers. Like it's a it's a certain kind of look and feel, right? For the most part, mm. even Bad Boy, mm. right? Like mm. compare the Only You video to Can Nobody Hold Me Down, right? And then mm. Bad Boy sets the tone so early in '97, and their success becomes so out of control, and the aesthetic that they create becomes what all these artists. A lot, not always, many artists who are trying to like get their their stuff out for, for Q3 and Q4, right? That's September to December uh, window, right? That mm -hmm. release window in there. Um, and they're all trying to figure out, oh, so this is the new thing. But then right. it's going to be over so fast because DMX mm -hmm. and Rough Riders and come in and change everything in early 98. So 97 mm -hmm. is just this like, almost like out of nowhere, it, not just sonically, but aesthetically, the way the videos are shot, everything. And some artists, even into 98 and 99 are still chasing. They're still like, oh, I still need the, like the, the, the sample from the, from a hit 80 single with a big shiny video. And those almost all fail for the most part with, mm -hmm. with a couple exceptions in 98 and 99. Cause they're still, they still, they still think oh, I got to look at what, what worked in 97, but it just changed so fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of and the I would, things, and oh, I would sorry. say, go ahead, go ahead. No, you you know, the go last ahead. thing I was going to say is, and one of the things I think is interesting about this year, and I, I want to make sure it's represented in, in our list somehow is charting. Cause like what we, we talk about like that shiny suit era, mm -hmm. you can all, even though we, we, we put DMX as like the sort of everything changed. Artists were already figuring out by the end of the year that not everybody can pull it off. Right. And there's a whole bunch of second singles that artists put out. Um, I want to name them because some of these might be on our lists maybe. But there are a whole bunch of artists who their first single in the fall of 97 was, if not explicitly shiny, like the full bad boy sound, it was mimicking that and maybe produced by track masters or something mm -hmm. else. Like they were going for a certain aesthetic 
and then mm-hmm. it didn't work and their second singles were all grimy yeah mm. and they were like okay. there's a i got three there's three artists who definitely come to mind for that but there might be others but like you could they already saw what way this was going and they were like oh it's almost like there's this like six to nine month time period in 1997 where New York City hip hop almost like loses their mind and it's the bad boy era real quick, like the bad boy peak. And then everybody is trying to figure out, well, what the heck do I do next? Mm-hmm. And in mm-hmm. the middle of all that, there's a whole lot of bad boy stuff, which we're going to talk about, obviously, but there's a whole lot of other stuff, too. Yeah. You know, you saying that reminds me and it, it makes me want to like explore the theory that the bad boy sound though bad boy started it and it kind of and it worked for you know mace primarily and puff primarily right yeah. in terms of like rappers r&b artists mm-hmm. took that and they that extended probably through the early 2000s for them i mean you could argue that like something like faith evans love like this mm-hmm. is an extension of that because that's actually in a sense the true roots of Puff's whole aesthetic, which is R and B singers over over danceable bass lines and hip hop drums, disco 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 records, right? It's new age disco records, basically, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And because on the R and B side, especially for female R and B singers, it's easier to sell to everybody that kind of sound. On the hip hop side, especially the male hip hop side, hip rap, the whole rap culture was still obsessed with authenticity mm-hmm. and being hard, basically, right? Yep. And yep. there was only so much that could work. <laughs> right. Yep. And it's funny that also opens the, the door to like the underground scene mm-hmm. because in 1997, Sound Bombing comes out. I mean, so Raucous is kind of there, but. Not quite yet, right? Universal yeah, Magnetic, Fortified Live, like that's all yep. technically 97, but... I mean, the Lyricist Lounge is a thing in New York. Yep. It's going, like it's got its own underground roots movement, but like, I think also like the roots put out what they do in 97, didn't they? No, Wasn't that's that 96. Is that 96? Yeah, I think so. Did I miss what they do? No, because I mean, if anything, that's interesting because the what they do video is, is what it's mocking is almost literally it's like it is mm. the previous aesthetic so it's um it's november 96 yeah what they do comes out so right they ju- just missed right it's 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 mocking like sort of the bad boy version one aesthetic yeah the uh the one more chance video right so it's the it's the r&b record sample but that video is still on a stoop in you know one of the boroughs i'm assuming is brooklyn yeah so yeah it's a house party in Brooklyn, but everybody's dancing. Right? right. We're not, we're not, we're not in, you know, f- there's no fisheye yet, you know, no fisheye, <laughs> no, 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 no one's in a wind suit. tunnel, you know, cause re- yeah, really, I mean, spoiler alert, clearly more money, more problems is on the list, right? Mm. That's the first time that you saw the shiny suit, right? Because even the can't nobody hold me down video there, it's still kind of a mix of that bad boy, it's, boy it's, version it's one. The, it's the transition. Yeah, because they're in they're in leather baseball like suits, but like the pants leg is up and they got Tim's, right? Yeah. Tim's or or Jordan's or something like that. I think they got Tim's on. Um, so it's still that like rough, grimy, sort of like Wu Tang inspired aesthetic versus 
you see the more money more problems video yeah. it's everything you just said fisheye lens shot colorful shiny suits it was literally like do you remember do you remember seeing that video for the first time which one more money more problems yes jarring jarring like wait what yeah jarring even down to the Air Force Ones. Oh, yeah. With the oh, jewel man. swoosh. Listen, those were so sought after. So were, hard. I had, the, I had the Navy ones. The, I, I knew I one person in my school swoosh. who had the yellow. <sighs> I, hard. I know. Hard. And they, and they came out last year, but mm. I'm not wearing Air Force Ones as a, as a mid in my mid-30s. I'm not doing it. Because then you could be they like the, the youths. No, they're the most uncomfortable shoe in it. No, if I'm like the youths, then I'm wearing dirty Air Force Ones. <laughs> the dirty, just so dirty, so filthy. Just, oh, dirt. So like when Dame Dash says, yeah, I wear Air Forces one time and throw them away. On one hand, it's like, you're being really wasteful. The other hand, it's like, yeah, it's about all they're good for. But they're incredibly uncomfortable. They Jesus. Are. I used to wear them a lot. You know, eggs. I, that's, what we did. that's what we did. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. You good? I'm good. I'm sure okay. you hear my dog going crazy. Yeah, that's why I asked. <laughs> my my dog my dog barks at the mail, people in the street. Oh, I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you in the pre-show. <laughs> a dog. Uh, I was walking my dog yesterday morning, and a dog uh, ran out of a house and attacked us. Basically, word. Yeah, and like I went after my dog, and my dog. Uh, uh, was a rescue dog and survived running around with her puppies on in like rural Texas and apparently knew how to defend herself. Um, oh, wow! And dominated this fight. Unfortunately for me, like you know how like in a cartoon you see like two characters fighting and it's like a there's like a big whirlwind of dust. Of course, you see like limbs flying out That's in the midst of the dust. What happened? And I was in the center of it. <laughs> so they like no seriously they like knocked me down. And then oh, I wow. was on into the street and then I was in the street with these two dogs fighting on top of me and I'm trying to pull them apart. So I am tore up like I got random like scratches and scrapes and bites and wounds. My oh, arms. Wow. are unmet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday was a trip. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the you amazing know, thing, my dog has not a scratch on her. Good. Well, but Great. that's why I'm like. What is the, I mean, the other dog was in the wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like they yeah, ran yeah. out and they did it. And in fact, once the other owner got their dog under control, my dog was just sitting there like staring daggers through them, but not trying to mm. attack them anymore. So like, mm. I feel like, I feel pretty good. Like, no, no, no. Like my dog was just defending. But I mean, if I'm this tore up and my dog is fine, I hope the other mm. dog's okay. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> So you didn't have a, so was this, was this a neighbor? Is this somebody close? Yeah. Around the corner. Okay. Okay. There's no follow-up conversation yet to see if, you know, was it like, yo, what are you doing? I mean, (laughs) the thing is like, I, so the laws here about like what happens if there's like a dog fight, like if you report this or anything like that, it's wild. Like, honestly, if I want to, I could basically put in a complaint and basically get this dog down the road to maybe being put down, which I want no part of. That's that's ridiculous. That's you know, yeah, and yeah. so like I'm basically at the point where I'm like, look, as long as my wounds heal and as long as my dog's OK, like, you know, I'm trying to like let let well enough be. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Um, But yeah, at some point I might just be like, hey, what's going on? I mean, the thing is, is like it was just a mom trying to take her daughter to school and the kid had the door open too long and this dog darted out. Dogs darted out. Yeah, yeah. it it it's, wasn't it's like dogs doing dog things like it's what they it's what they do. We're going to talk about DMX. Though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
<laughs> Are we? We might. Real quick. I might have. Wait, hold on. Let me see something. <laughs> I might have missed the song. <laughs> we'll, no, no, no. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but uh, all right. So oh, we, no, we sort of set okay. the stage a little bit. Well, we talked a lot about Bad Boy, but we're going to talk about some individual songs. And I don't want to give too much. Actually, mm. I don't want to give too much away because some of these, all, almost all these I think will be on, on the list. But I want to want to make sure I don't like give too much away just yet. For sure. So for sure. For sure. do we want to start with obvious stuff? Do we want to get that out of the way? Do we want to? Yeah, let's get the obvious stuff out of the way. Yes. Let's just knock it out. So the hardest. Like, since we're in the bad boy vein, like we might as well just stay here. So here's the question for you. Yes. How many bad boy records are you limiting yourself to? I've got on my list as of right now, one, two, f- three, four. There are, four. there are definitely, <laughs> I'm sorry, five, five. There are five. five. I have, five. I have five. And then maybe if we're, if you, once you start getting into like, oh, produced by, but not on bad boy or something else, it, it might get a little longer. Um, but I had to limit to five, even though the number of like major hit singles is is much longer than that. Yeah. And we I've got one I've got one hanging by a thread. <laughs> I mean, we the single I mean, honestly, like it's been said many times. I don't need to overstate it, but um the list of singles from No Way Out is completely absurd. Crazy. And I'm going to say this might be this might be a this is a is this going to be controversial. Um, there are five singles from No Way Out. Four of them were released in 1997. It mm. might be one of the strongest like batch of singles to come out for a hip hop album that I can ever think of. Mm. Right. What are those singles? Can Nobody Hold Me Down. Mm-hmm. I'll Be Missing You. Mm-hmm. Benjamins. Mm-hmm. Been Around the World. Plus the remix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Victory. Crazy. That's an incredible batch of singles. And Victory is the we're in the black. We made all the money back. All so of it. So now let's spend what we made on this million dollar production video movie. Wasn't it? It was more than that, wasn't it? I'm sure it was more. I think cause, because, well, yeah. what's it going to be was the most expensive hip hop video at the time. And that was over. I'm sorry. No, no. Scream by Michael Jackson was the most expensive hip-hop r&b video and that was that was right at a million and then i think victory surpassed it and then i think what's it going to be surpassed victory victory was 2.7 million dollars you know what's funny that wasn't a good video you didn't like it wasn't a good video you nah, like didn't Danny like danny devito video. dennis hopper nah, no it's too much it's a lot and then and and then the the choir and there it was a lot <laughs> The drama mix. The opera. The opera. Yeah, the drama (laughs) mix. Get away from me. I'm good. No, thank you. Yeah. So out of those, are all all five of those on your list? No. No. Okay. Victory. let's talk about what's on Because it comes out as a single in 98, Uh I'm going to defer on victory. Okay. Yeah, say victory is not even in my honorable mentions. Victory is one of my favorite songs ever. One of the best, I think when we did a definitive 15 on intros, it was on the list, it's, right? It's incredible. Um, yeah, of course, of course. But there are three on my list from this album. I have one. One? I think so, yeah. One. Definitive? Yep. Oh my. From No Way Out. Yep. All right. Well, let me start with a real obvious one. Okay. 
I I gotta have can nobody hold me down. Let me say this. Listening back to this, man, yeah, Puff was a terrible rapper. Oh my God, no way out. He is terrible as a rapper. He progressed so much, even from no way out to um. What was the name of the second album? Vic, uh, was forever. It Vic? Forever. Not Victory. Forever. Yeah. yeah. He he progressed so much as a rapper. He was terrible on the way out. Terrible. However, he's skating on Can't Nobody Hold Me Down. Mace <laughs> helped him out a ton. You he's think? skating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he is skating. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Classic. Classic. This song was number one for six weeks. Not number one on the rap charts. Number one on the mm. pop charts for six weeks. And, and number one in our hearts, too. <laughs> There's a six-month time period from March 22nd to September 27th, where with the exception of a three-week mbop run, <laughs> a, a, a Puff Daddy <sighs> Bad Boy produced song is number one on the country for almost six months uninterrupted. Let me look. It's I'm glad incredible. you said. Mm. I'm glad you said mm, bop because I went and looked at like a pop playlist from 1997. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Spice Girls wannabe, Hanson Mbop, Green Day, Good Riddance, yeah. Backstreet Boys, Quit Playing Games in My Heart, Jewel, You Were Meant for Me, uh, Sugar Ray, Fly, uh, what else? Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart. Like all of these records. Yeah. Bittersweet Symphony, like songs that I know about the Cardigans Love Fool. Oh, my God. All these songs that I know about simply because, like we talked about on last episode, the summers when you stayed home, like my parents weren't paying for me to go to no summer camp. Summer camp. We didn't have summer summer camp camp money. Absolutely not. Are you crazy? I'm paying for my eight year old to go to summer camp now. And I'm like, are you serious? We had we had maybe if the school had a free day camp program money. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So they, that would like, that's like the school, you would go to the school from like eight to 12 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they would give you a lunch, like a meal. And you basically just run around on the playground for four hours and they send you home. Um, but yeah, that wasn't happening. But all these records come from sitting in my, li- waking up and sitting in my living room all day, watching MT- flipping back and forth between MTV, BET and ESPN. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But anyway, bad boy. Yes. Um, can't nobody hold me down is an honorable mention. For oh me. my god, I know it. This is the B. I mean, this song is is first of all, it's like so we we heard Mace on the Only You remix, mm-hmm. but which was a hit. Yep. And this is now the second time that we've heard Mace. Really. Yep. Um, and then after this, I mean, his single run in '97 is incredible. <sighs> we're going to talk about some of these. We got some more of these records where he's going to be on. Yeah, I'm going to talk about him one more time. Yeah. Um, I've got him mostly in my honorable mentions yeah. because for me, in 97, there's so much going on that there's I wanted so much to represent. On. No, there's so and much with, going on. And with Mace, it's like, do I play that record? And we have, shout out my man Tony. Do we play that? Who's a big Mace fan. Like, do we play the obvious Mace records? In some instances, you say yes, yeah. But then, like, I just want him to be represented. And the other record where I talked to him about, I'm like, okay, he's represented here, so yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. But so this was honorable mentions, <sighs> okay. I, I like, mentioned. I don't even know, like this, 
as you, as we talked about before, like this song is like aesthetically is the transition between 96 and 97. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And it's the, it's like, oh no, like you heard Puff on no time, right? Mm -hmm. At late 96, trying to be a little bit more of a featured art. Actually, that was like his real first time as a featured artist, you know, in that point, in that spot. Mm -hmm. But now he's not just like in the background, you know, he, (laughs) he's like, all right, Suge, cool. You want to, oh, never mind all in the video, all in the videos. I'm an, I'm an artist. Yep. Um, Nah, to me, like this is this song is iconic. It it sets the it's like musically it it sets the template for what is about to happen, right? Because it's like it's Grandmaster Flash is the message, plus like two or three other big name samples. Like it's just whatever we're clearing them all. It doesn't matter because we're gonna Gloria make so Estefan, much money. Glory Estefan, Miami Sound Machine, like yeah, we're we're doing everything. Yeah, Watch doing this. it all, doing it all. Yeah, yeah. So the bad boy representation of the Puff Daddy representation that I have is for me, you can't speak of bad boy or Puff Daddy without the notorious Mm B.I.G. And with his death, it kind of forced Puff to become the flagship artist. We're not going to we can sit here and argue if he actually wanted to be that or not. You know, some like Suge Knight would say that he, he did. Um, but this put him in a position to where he he felt like he had to carry the label on his back as the face of his record label. And this song does that. Um, it puts him in a place where it puts him out there. Um, and it was a huge gamble from the sample, all that good stuff. And it just, it is what it is. The song is terrible. It is. It's so bad. Shout out Sauce Money. No, we got to talk about Sauce Money. Now, now, I think we've talked about it on the show. He didn't actually, he wrote like a line, right? I don't know how much he wrote, but he should not brag about it because that's the writing on that is terrible. <laughs> that's like, um... That's like Drake writing the one line on uh on Yikes. <laughs> or 30 hours, I'm sorry. No, I um, mean the two credit well, yeah, I mean I think it's yeah, I mean I don't know, I think Sauce Oh, I mean so the story is right that uh according to Rob Markman is that right the show. uh Puff asked Jay to write it and suggested Sauce write it instead. Mm. I think Sauce wrote it all. Mm. It's pretty okay. bad. <laughs> Listen, and I, I believe he, oh, that's, and that, but that's the other story is because when, when Sting cleared it, (laughs) Sting asked for everything. He got it all. He got everything. So, so sauce money does not make. Yeah, no, they didn't clear, um, (laughs) they didn't clear the sample before it was, before it was heard. Oh, so this is a so this is a juice world thing all over again. Yeah, they didn't clear it before it was heard, and so uh, Sting was like, "Nah." I guess at, at least as recent as like last decade, he was still getting two grand a day for the royalties from this track. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I agree. Like I I was just dissing the song, but like this song's on my list. It has to be. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. Um, I mean, even the 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 VMA moment, he performs it at the Video Music Awards oh with Sting and the choir. Of course, there's a choir. Of course, the choir. Um, 
yeah, like that was a that was a moment. Yeah, you know, he he was dancing his 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 grief away or something. I don't, you know, yeah. I think if this happens now, I mean, at the time, people kind of snickered a little bit, but somehow we nobody really like said much about that. It was like it, it's a little weird. I think people were still kind of like in because I mean, honestly, dog, like hip hop music, pop culture was really reeling off of. Tupac and Biggie dying six mm. months apart. And like, you know, when people are reeling, when people are 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 recovering from trauma, um, and I'm not saying that it was traumatic for the general public, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but you know, when you're reeling and you're shocked, um, you kind of let stuff kind of let stuff pass, you know. So nobody's batting an eye. Also, I think because it was new, yeah. number one, and then number two. Because the music was also good, like we just said, the song is terrible. But the song wasn't terrible in 1997. Like, well, we weren't like, "Yo, this is this is bad." No. The video is iconic, though. The video was iconic. Him falling off the bike, <laughs> all of absolutely. it, absolutely, all of it, all yeah. of it. Yeah. So, nah, it, I think if it was whack, and if Bad Boy wasn't Bad Boy, um, and if Biggie wasn't Biggie, yeah, we'd be like, "Man, get this out of here." Yeah. But you know, it, man, the math just math for for for, for Sean Puffy Combs. So. That's my one no way out song on my list. So you're telling me you don't have this record? Uh. Nope. Uh huh. Yeah. How? Unfortunately, I do not. Is this, uh. this is a, a near miss in honorable uh-huh. mention? Yeah. yeah, it's a near miss. It's the one I said was hanging on by a thread. Uh huh. Mm. Uh-huh. And here's about- and here's why. Okay. Here's why. You're listening to Clocked Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. To hear the rest of this week's show, exclusive episodes, and more, subscribe today at patreon.com slash crspodcast or clockradiospeakers.com.